everyone, and welcome to Minute 46 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip to the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today, and hopefully all week, is David Brooke of Blueprint Review. Welcome to the show, David. Hello, pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad I finally got you to come on come on one of my shows. You know, this this isn't a movie that that's played every single bank holiday. So you know, <laughs> yeah, it was weird at the Great Escape. It's one of those films that everyone in the UK knows really well, except me. I'd only seen it once, and I didn't didn't have that history with it. So I was a bit like, oh, I just didn't feel. I it would have been perfect. Anyway, it sure would have been. Perfect. I would have been fine. Yeah, I, I should have <laughs> gone for it. Apologies, oh, well. but no, I, 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 I'm I, all here for planes, trains, and automobiles. I, I would say next time, but I don't plan on doing the greatest clip <laughs> again. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll we'll keep moving on to other movies. One yes. one at a time. <laughs> all right, one minute Great. at a time. <laughs> one minute at a time, and one one movie at a time. One minute at a time. How's that? <laughs> yeah. So, minute forty six begins with Dell and Neil uh, arguing about the bill, and then ends with Neil looking down at. The letters V3 on the ground. Okay, so just to remind everybody, last week we were talking about the fact that Dell and Neil were sitting in uh, some sort of cafe, whether it's in the bus station or we're not sure exactly. It, it seems as if they're in the bus station, but you don't really know. And the two of them are having their meal. And at this point, Neil says to Dell that he's basically had enough of being, them being together and they're going to both do better if they're out on their own. And it, it takes a little while for Dell to finally figure it out, but he realizes that, you know, if he's not wanted to be in this place, then he doesn't want to be there himself. So he, he gets a little agitated at this point because first we, we have the, the argument continues. And at this point, Dell basically starts taking money out of his pocket and starts putting, you know, money. We, we, we saw last week that, you know, they made a lot of money from selling all of those strange little earrings that are actually shower curtain rings. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a lot of uh, $1 bills, $5 bills, you know, they're small, small bills. So he t- pulls out this huge wad of cash, which as we know is not that much because he basically said at the end of last week that I think they made $100, $100 out of it. You know, so they, they only sold like 20. <laughs> But they, they still get a good meal out of it. So that, that works. Yeah, there's quite a lot on the table. I just like Yes, it. <laughs> there is. There is a lot That's of cool. Quite on the a table. milkshake. That's enormous. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I also once again noticed the fact that, that the ketchup bottle is still open. You know, they, they you know, usually yeah, you yeah. use it and then you close it again. You know. Yeah. But apparently Dell did not. <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> so they they basically continue with this argument and Dell just throws money down on the table and goes, and I think I owe you some of this too. And he starts like counting out some of the money to give to, to Neil. And Neil goes, no, no, no. And he goes, take it. And he says, Dell, I told you, I do not. And he says, this is your cut. And then Neil finishes his sentence, feel right taking your money. He says, this is your half. Take the money. Now, one second, first of all, taking your money. We, we, you know, it goes back to the fact that, you know, they sort of stole by doing this because, you know, Dell is using things that he's supposed to be selling. <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, I know that there's your samples, but you know, they, they, it's got to come out of his pocket if if he comes back without the samples. Yeah, yeah. You know? 
So, I mean, Dell is very genuine. I mean, Dell is always genuine, but he, even in this situation, he's very genuine. He really wants to give Neil part of the, the money. Now, the question is, does he want to give him the money because he feels that he wants Neil to be part of the crime? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you think about that idea? Well, I didn't, I never really thought of it like that, to be honest, as, as a crime as such. I, 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 I well, as I say, I, I, I never saw it like that. I guess to me, it's more kind of uh, showing the contrasting characters. Um, he's a bit more of a, well, no, they're, they're both honest in a way, in, in, in that way. But I think, I think uh, Dell seems more genuine and, and honest and he kind of wants to do the right thing. Uh, whereas um, Neil, Neil's being more polite in saying, I don't want to keep the money um, in my right, mind. I never it, kind it, of but... thought of it as a... But it's funny because Neil doesn't have any money, so he needs this. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah. Or maybe he just finds him using his credit cards, so therefore he doesn't need it. I mean, this is this is something we discussed a few weeks ago, the fact that, that apparently in the 80s, people use credit cards less than they do nowadays. Mm. Like, I, I rarely walk around with cash on me. I use a credit card for everything. Yeah, you know, there, same, there, yeah. there are very few places where you go where, where you need to have cash. Yeah. I do think this scene as well, for me, when I was writing notes on this, I think um, for me, it's uh, this whole bit is it's kind of it, it's it touches on something that I think shows throughout the film is, is this is kind of a bit of a class divide between the two of them as well. Completely. Um, it's not just a personality thing. And obviously, Neil is the wealthier guy. Is, this, uh, is he an advertising executive or something like that? But, um, yeah, but he, um, he's, he's in advertising. Yeah. And he um, and I, I think him kind of refusing to take the money from Dell is kind of a bit of a of a of him him set feeling like he's a lot wealthier than him and doesn't need the money and he feels bad taking it from someone of a yeah, lower still, working class kind of thing but he still needs to get home <laughs> yeah true true yeah 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 but i wonder if that's just playing like he's still kind of um sticking to his uh yeah uh, niceties the politeness which kind of will uh soon crumbles we'll get to later right i mean i i, I actually I, I love the character of neil i think he's a great character i mean a lot of people yeah. portray him and see him as this this mean guy or whatever but i think it's just the situation that, that that's turning on him the entire time and that's what's making yeah. him meaner than you would than you would think yeah. i don't think he's a mean person i think he he's a genuine genuinely nice person who's trying to do the right thing so i i agree yeah. with what you're saying i think the fact that, that he's not trying to take dell's money is because okay you need it i i don't you you bought me a meal right now that's fine let's just move on from that you know and <laughs> at this point del then says to to neil he says well buy your kids a chocolate turkey <laughs> yeah. okay now do, i mean i know i know in, in england they don't celebrate uh thanksgiving but do you know what a chocolate turkey is no, I thought they were just making it up. I was like, "What?" <laughs> we do we do check take it Christmas in the UK, um, but we don't do Thanksgiving at all, obviously. Uh, right. But well, yeah, chocolate turkey. I, I thought it was just I thought it was just kind of a I thought it was more of a comedy line. But is it actually a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually looked it up, and I actually and and I was surprised. I found two different explanations. I I thought at first, just like you, that it's just a joke. You know, it's not really something. That you would have and i said okay maybe there's some sort of thing behind it now the first thing is, is there really are there's a rare breed of turkeys that are known as chocolate turkeys i mean i don't think that's what they're referring to here but i think it's really funny i mean this is this is a type of turkey that is usually brown 
and has uh, you know is brown all over of the feathers, the shanks, the feet, and they're they're very large turkeys, and they usually don't have health or mobility issues like other large breeds of of turkeys do. I mean, I don't know enough about turkeys to know that they have, you know, health or mobility issues. I know they have issues that they can't run away from, you know, everyone wanting to eat them on major holiday. <laughs> That's the, and apparently th- there's very little known about the history of this breed, but they're apparently very common in the southern U.S. Uh, before the, the, the U.S. Civil War. But most of them were killed during the war. <laughs> and <laughs> they... They're they're still considered a critically endangered species. So I guess I guess uh-huh. a lot of the the soldiers during the Civil War got very hungry and just were, were eating all these chocolate turkeys that were coming out. Now I don't think that's what they're referring to here. Okay, the second kind of of chocolate turkey that I found is uh, turkeys that are made from chocolate that are used as either centerpieces or it, the smaller ones are used as candy that you would give to to kids, you know, on, on yeah, Thanksgiving. I'm just, I'm, yeah, I've just looked it up now myself. Yeah, they look kind of like uh, around Easter, we get kind of figures a bit like this. I get like you get bunny figures and obviously egg, these eggs themselves that you, you get these kind of big hollow uh, molded eggs. It kind of looks like those. Yeah, bizarre. yeah but, but just in the shape of a turkey. Okay. Yeah. Now, so the one I, I found that you can order them online. You know, and th- so they have the types that are that are made with uh, uh, they have cranberries in them and have almond slivers that are used for the feathers and stuff like that. And you can buy them. They're, they're little ones. They're each one of them is 14 grams, which is uh, 0.49 ounces. And the size is 1.1 inches by 1.5 inches. And mm-hmm. the ingredients, I found the ingredients very interesting because, you know, they, the one that I found, they only have natural ingredients. And it's darkened milk chocolate, cocoa, cocoa butter, sugar, milk powder, soy lecithin, lecithin, vanilla bean, sugar, cream, almonds, butter, cranberries, eggs, honey, lingonberries, orange zest, salt, and clove. So that that's a lot of things wow. to put in a little little <laughs> yeah. you know one inch chocolate uh, candy. You know, it's making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and what they say on this this website is very funny. They say that that after you have it, you should store it in a cool, dry place at room temperature, away from direct sunlight. So is that <laughs> is that a reference to Gremlins, or is that just a reference <laughs> to the fact <laughs> that <laughs> what 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 happens to these chocolate turkeys if you put them in direct sunlight? <laughs> you know, does it burn life. them? <laughs> when are you allowed to feed them after midnight? I don't know. <laughs> And they say that if you want to keep them fresh, you should probably eat them within two weeks. <laughs> so the second type of chocolate of, of of chocolate turkey candy that I found was a large centerpiece, which is which you can basically buy and you know have in the middle of the table, and it's it's three pounds. The one that I found online that you can buy that that's just amazing that someone would would buy a three pound chunk of chocolate to put on their table which is 10 inches by 10 inches by 10 inches and it's a uh, dark chocolate so my little google search on the images has come up with a 19 pound chocolate turkey wow there you go all right i i didn't get that far so 
But I, I just found it interesting that they, they mentioned the fact this, this chocolate turkey it makes it sound as if it's something that's very common. I mean, maybe it is. So any listeners who, who know that this is a common thing, please, please let us know. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a regional thing. I don't know, part of certain um, states or something. I don't know. Uh, could be. Could be. So, I mean, throughout this whole conversation, Dell is still acting very polite, even though they're getting into an argument. I mean, because Neil had said, uh, he said to Neil, Dell had said to Neil, buy your kids a chocolate turkey. And Neil's response is, you get your kids a chocolate turkey. So what's funny is that, I mean, we never saw that they have any conversation about their kids. <laughs> you know, we, we actually never know if Dell actually does have kids. You know, a spoiler, we, we know that he no longer has a wife, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have kids, whether they're grown up or whatever, you know, and just mm. not, not living at home with them. I mean, it's not even something that, that was mentioned. And then they no, continue no. their argument and says, I don't want the money, okay? And, and he goes, I've got enough for my kids. I'm just going to leave it there. So Dell just puts the money down on the table and says, then leave it. If you, if you want to leave it, fine, that's okay. I'm done, okay? So this is the first time you actually can see that he's getting very fed up with this whole thing and he's very agitated and doesn't want to be there. And he goes, I've got to get going now. So if you'll excuse me, I've got things to do. So good luck to you. And I hope you get home soon. So even when he's angry, he's still being nice. <laughs> mm. You know, he's still, but I mean, there's a lot of questions about this, the way this scene works. Like, first of all, where's their luggage? You know, here they are in this little diner or whatever it is. Dell has his trunk. You know, Neil, we know Neil just has a briefcase and a garment mm. bag. That's fine. Which maybe they're under the table or something like that. But, I mean, there's no place around where, where Dell is keeping his trunk. I mean, obviously, mm. we, we also know this is, very, this is you know, 14 years pre-9-11. So maybe you could leave a trunk around in, in St. Louis. I don't know. Yeah, well, unless they, um, I don't know about, I don't know about that time, that time in the States. But um, I don't know if they are still in the bus station, they might be like lockers and things. I, I've uh... Do you think they have lockers there? You think they have lockers that are big enough to put that trunk in? Well, some of the stations I've been to, yeah. But, um, <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that's a more modern thing. But um, but yeah, you you can get them, uh, particularly in big big cities in the uh, in the train main sort of train stations and bus stations and things. Right now, what what I find well, really funny yeah. is the during this argument, no one around them looks at them. You know, if you're sitting in a place like this, which is completely open, everyone can hear you arguing, someone's going to turn their heads. So, I mean, they told all the extras, don't turn your head. And there's just this one guy who's who's in the the booth next to them, right behind Neil. There's there's this uh, this black guy that there with a beard who, who actually turns around and looks at them for two yeah. seconds. I was going to point that out. I, I wonder if there's a slight mistake there. Because if you look, when he looks at him, he kind of like... There's almost like a little mini double take. So he, yeah. he, he turns round, but then he is, looks like he's is, looking somewhere else. Yeah, oh, he goes, no, he's maybe looking down at the bags or something. Right. He goes, oh, yeah, is, right. is that John Candy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I almost get that sense. It's, it seems a little, the way he turns back, a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Although, no, no, when he looks up at him at the end, it looks kind of more natural. But Yeah, he, he probably got fired. Did, that, did, that was it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't supposed to look at them. I mean, and there's, yeah. there's like the guys in the booth right behind them is also, I mean, there's a guy smoking. He just doesn't, he doesn't move. He just holds his hand. Yeah. Massive you know, cigar. I was, on I was, a massive cigar. That's one thing. That, 
that's one thing that pointed out for me is that it's something that you you don't get these days. I don't know about the states, but in the UK you can't smoke in restaurants at all. No, any, no any I don't them. think you can. So um, yeah. it, it's quite weird seeing someone with a giant kind of stogie right next to you. And it's uh, I'm kind of glad those days have gone to be honest while I'm eating. But um, right, but, yeah. but, but the guy doesn't move at all. I mean, his his no, hand. No. He he doesn't he doesn't take a bite of his food. You see a full plate of food in front of him. You don't see him talking to the guy across from him. You don't see him reading a newspaper or something like that. He's just standing there or sitting there, you know, completely frozen while he's uh, doing that. So I just find that that's pretty pretty funny. Yeah, it's not a mega heated argument though. So I don't know. I don't think it's too unusual. But I know what you mean. That they, they do definitely they're definitely extras being kind of just following the rules side of things. So yeah, that's yeah, why he, the, the he's just staring kind of stood out for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, also, if you notice the the waitress who comes behind them, who's serving someone else, you can see that she actually is wearing the she bought earrings from Dell, and oh, she's right. serving and she's serving a woman in one of the booths who also has uh, shower rings for earrings. So I, I like that little touch, you know. That uh, you know, in the last yeah, scene, yeah. we saw him selling them, and then we see two of these people who are just walking around normally with with these uh, shower rings on their on their ears <laughs> and then you know Dell just walks away pretty frustrated and neil realizes once again that he's probably crossed the line and puts his hand over his head you know over his face basically realizing that all right maybe i should have done this a little differently oh you've missed one of my was... favorite look yeah there's a nice little moment in there for me in, in terms of, um, uh, and it's largely down to John Candy's delivery. That I, I, there's a nice little moment just at the end, just as Dell leaves, and the, and Neil's like, you can't quite hear it, but it's written in the transcript. It's like, um, I'll see you, and then Dell's like, yeah, sure you will. Just right. the way he says that line is, is um, there's just that, there's just that nice little bit of hurt and bitterness in there, um, when you just know that kind of stabbing it. Neil's comment, knowing that Neil has no interest in seeing Dell again, yeah, and you can kind of feel that he's hurt, that he's being kind of abandoned. That whole kind of scene in the cafe to me feels almost like it's almost like a breakup. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it, I mean, it, it's, it, I think it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's a pseudo breakup because you know, yeah, we know they're going to get back together. <laughs> and no, you're right. The 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 way that that he delivered, sure you are, it was just great. Mm. You're you're 100 right about that. Sure you will. That's what he says. And I mean, this is all within 30 seconds, this whole argument mm. or the end of this argument, because, you know, we, we started it yesterday or on Friday. Yeah. But yeah. And then we, we get an exterior shot where we get to see a bus. And on that bus is the words marathon rental car. So as everyone knows, you know, no, no real company was willing to to put their names on this movie, so they had to make them all up. You know, so that this bus comes, and so completely uh, fake. The, I mean, I like that they have to make up a logo and all that stuff. It's, it's, you know, they, it does. It, I guess today it would be simpler to make something a little more professional, but it it still does the job. Just having the, you know, the the big M going into the to the word marathon or whatever i think i think if if some graphic designer was was hired to do it this you know in this day and age they would make it a little more complex but yeah, it still, it still works it still works logo, i don't think it's too bad yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. In the 80s, it, it works really well. So you see that they're in this this huge parking lot of rental cars. They the the, the filmmakers had to go and rent 250 cars in order oh, and wow. and a parking lot in order to be able to film this scene. You know, because no no rental car agency would let them do this. <laughs> now, what's what's interesting is is that you don't see. Thankfully, you don't see any of the logos because you'd think that they're you'd, you'd be able to tell, you know, like what what rental cars they're they're come from. You know, they have like a sticker somewhere or something like that. Yeah. But so, you know, I I think I heard someone say at some point that it would have been easier if they just asked all of the crew members to park their cars there. You know, it would have been would have been a little cheaper. <laughs> there might be a few ones there. <laughs> Probably. Now, did you did you notice the the little sign? On the, the the front of the the bus. Oh no! On the side, like uh, right next to the doors, which open. Oh, the please use rear doors, and he's yes. in the front doors. Yeah. Please, please use rear doors, yeah. and then then it, it, the door opens and, <laughs> and Neil comes out. So, yeah, you know, please use real doors unless you're Neil Page. <laughs> okay. so that that works. I like. I I think as well what what I noticed here what watching this again today is um is because in the previous scene in the uh, in the diner scene Neil looks pretty kind of he's done like he's pretty wasted he's 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 he's, he's tired he's fed up he's kind of he's 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 got he's kind of got I think partly he kind of feels like um the the problems are gone as well and he's but he's just kind of tired but he kind of seems rejuvenated in this next scene he seems like Right, he's got his car rented. He's kind of when he first comes off, he's straight into action, walking to find the car. He's almost got a smile on his face, so I, I think it's just kind of a staring around kind of face. But um, yeah, you can understand to see a marked a marked change in the character. A hundred percent, which won't last long. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But but when we get a little later to the segment where I'll talk about the, the differences in the original script, there's a reason for this. There's a whole scene that was cut out on along the way, which which well, actually answers what you're saying. So that. That's true. Yeah, I was reading on. I think it's just on Wikipedia though, or something. That it was. Is it like three and a half hours or something? The original yes. cut of the, film? the original <laughs> cut. The original cut is That's crazy. Is I think three hours and forty five minutes or something like that. They could have made two films. <laughs> More. That was. That's three films. This movie's. <laughs> this movie's an hour and a half. So you'd have <laughs> no two and a half films. Okay, but still. So we, then we hear the voice of the the driver. Who says uh, it's a white Lincoln Town Car Space V5? So that actually that actor is named uh, Chino Fats Williams, who was born on the 26th of July 1933 and passed away on the 5th of April 2000. He has 15 TV credits, and one of them he was actually on 15 episodes of Beretta back in the 70s, mm. which which surprised me a little bit, you know, because he's and on movies he has 21 credits. Include he was in the movies uh, Iron Eagle, Weird Science, Jumping Jack Flash, and Roadhouse, among others. Shout out to to Roger over at the Roadhouse Minute. You know, you can go over there and catch up watching all of those, listening to all those episodes. And he was also in the three, the first three Rocky movies. Which apparently, the the rumor is that he is playing the same character. I mean, he's he's a background character in every one of them. You know, he isn't. He, 
I don't I don't know if he even gets any has any lines or anything like that. But apparently the the rumor is that that he's playing the same character who has evolved over the course of these three movies, which is is pretty interesting. I mean, because even if you just look in in uh, in IMDb, so it tells you the roles that he plays in all three of them. So in Rocky One, he plays man in the unemployment line. In Rocky Two, he plays job searcher. <laughs> and in Rocky <laughs> Three, he plays derelict. So basically, he's a guy who just got fired in in the first Rocky. He's he's you know he's waiting to to get get paid. In the second one. He's finally decided that he's going to go try and find a job. And then in the third one, we found out that he never found a job and just became a bum. So there is some sort of connection there, I guess. It's, uh, what's interesting as well is if you, I was looking, looking him up on IMDb, is, um, is as well as acting, he was down as additional crew for four films as set security. So I wonder if he was set security on more than those films, and but possibly occasionally got given a little walk-on sort of thing. So maybe he was a regular Rocky set security guard and who's usually uncredited in that role, but yeah. they stuck him in front of the camera now and again, perhaps. Yeah. He certainly has an interesting voice. He certainly has an interesting voice. I mean, you don't really see him yes. in the um, uh, in the film, but uh, in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. But uh, yeah. yeah, he's got a very thick, strong accent and quite a gravelly kind of voice. If, I find it quite hard to um, hear exactly what he's saying, to be honest, but luckily there's some visual clues later on. But, right. Well, um, no, he's, he's it's he's important, says it's a white Lincoln Town Car, Space V5. Yeah. So what what do you know about Lincoln Town Cars? Do you know anything? Uh, very not a lot. I've heard. I've, I'm very aware of them. Uh, my, my dad's a big car guy. So, but um, it, so I know little bits about car from cars from growing up, but um, but not a great deal. And and we don't get those in the UK. But I've been to America enough. I I think I've I've been in a couple of Lincolns in my time, <laughs> but um, I don't know a lot about them. Right. Okay, so a Lincoln Town Car is a full-sized luxury sedan that was marketed by the Lincoln division of Ford Motor Company. And it derived its name from being the, a limousine body style, right? Because they're long cars. Okay. They, yeah. they manufactured them as the town cars from 1981 to 2011. Okay, it became the flagship sedan of Ford. And it was always against its rival from Cadillac, known as the Fleetwood uh, Brogan. I think that's what how it's pronounced. It is almost entirely, every single Lincoln that has been made was a four-door sedan, but the first year they actually made a two-door sedan. I don't know why anybody would want to only have a two-door sedan on such a long car. Couldn't figure that out. But it's mostly used as limousines. It was yeah. the it, it was known as the longest car ever produced by Ford, and worldwide it eventually became the longest mass production car that was that was uh, sold between 1997 <laughs> and 2011. In 2016, it was taken over by the Cadillac CT6, which was known as the longest car. They originally assembled them in uh, Wixom, Michigan, and the factory, they kept closing their factories, and they moved to numerous different factories over the course of the years until it was discontinued in 2011. And originally, a town car was the type of car in the 1920s that was designed to be used at that point as limousines. You know, 
the the description I found here, it says that it was originated from the horse-drawn carriage that featured an open chauffeur's compartment with a fixed roof for the passengers, which sort of reminds me of like maybe the, the type of car in Titanic, you know, that the, the two of them get into, you know, where he's sitting in the front oh, yeah. because the, the back is closed up and the, the front is open. Yeah. You know, where Rose and Jack are, are there, you know, Jack is sitting there and then she pulls it yeah, into yeah. the back. So... <laughs> I, I, that, that's what comes to mind by the way that this is described, even though that yeah. was in 1912. So, you know, it, it was before this. And it was, it was known as Deville. Do you know, do you know what a Deville is in French? Uh, no, I could guess. Okay, so yeah. apparently, apparently Deville means, means that it's for town use, which uh, makes yeah. sense of why you would call it a town car. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And apparently, even though in the 2000s, there was a declining amount of, of sales of the car, it still remained one of the highest selling American brand luxury sedans. And it's the car that is mostly used for limousines and, and chauffeured cars around both the U.S. and Canada. So, yeah, found that to be a little bit interesting. You know, it makes you wonder why he wants that type of car. I mean, I, I guess it's another thing kind of showing his kind of status and stuff and his, uh, his kind of well-off guy. So he's getting a massive <laughs> limo car just, uh, cause he can, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think he, he needs to want to try and get to where he's going as quickly as possible. Yeah. I don't know if you need a long car for that, but okay. <laughs> True. But, well, although maybe that's the only one that was left. I mean, there's an awful lot in that park, car park, car park, but you don't know if, if the rest of them have been booked um but Correct. but but with it being um the holidays and stuff it might uh might be difficult to get what he wanted yeah that's possible and i mean what what what's interesting to me is when they were sitting in the diner i mentioned this earlier when we were talking about it when they're sitting in the diner so they were in the bus station right so how did they get to like yeah. the airport already because, you know, this is this is from the airport that, you know, you get car rentals like this from the airport, not from the bus station. So somehow they got from he got from the bus station to the airport. You know, yeah, I'm not really sure. And so then we get a shot of Neil walking and we see his feet and we see the ground and we see the numbers going by. We were told that he needs to get to V5 and as he's moving along. You know, we get to see V1, and then we see V2, and then we see V3. And as Neil is is looking at his his ticket at the same time, basically, the minute stops. So we'll have to wait until tomorrow to see what happens with V4 and V5. Who knows? <laughs> Do well. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say about this particular minute? Uh, no, I think I think I'm going to leave leave the other comments for the next section when there's more of this um marathon scene i think right okay so in the script every day every day i discuss the differences between the the movie and the the final script so in the final script there there are some discrepancies okay as i mentioned earlier there, there's also a whole nother scene that's not mentioned here but the first thing is is that instead of dell putting the money down on the table he actually puts it in neil's pocket so, I mean, it's a minor thing. And, yeah. you know, another minor thing, Dell says that, that he should buy his kids a chocolate turkey. And Neil's response is, buy your kids something. 
He doesn't even, he doesn't mention the same thing. And then Dale's, Dale's response is, is, I already did. So that would actually make it sound as if Dell actually does have kids, which we don't really know. And then in the script, it, it shows that it says that we're actually in the airport or we're outside of the airport and it's jammed with, with activity. He's at the rental car counter and there's huge lines there. People are waiting for, for it. And we see Neil filling out a whole bunch of forms. And then we see him outside of the airport waiting for this bus to show up to take him to the thing. And then Neil starts striking up a conversation with this young businessman who's standing next to him. Okay. And the conversation is quite interesting because then Neil says, you have no idea what I've been through to get here. So the man says, you have no idea what I've been through. So then Neil says, it can't come close to what I've been through. And then the man goes, well, I had my foot amputated last Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and then they show that Neil is shocked. And then he has a very long, uncomfortable pause. And then Neil goes, well, other than that, are you looking forward to the nice holiday? <laughs> so the man, the man says, very much so. You know, I'm, I, I always look on the bright side of things. My feet are only half as cold as yours. <laughs> so then Neil, uh, you know, gives him a smirk and that's it. So I, I find it interesting. I, mean, I understand why they cut this out. It's not needed or anything like that. But I like the fact that up until now, Neil is more or less complaining about the fact that a complete stranger is talking to him, you know, when he's on the plane, when he's sitting in the in the terminal waiting for the flight. All these, you know, he has a stranger coming over and talking to him. And now he, it's as if it's rubbed off on him because he's now doing that himself. Mm. You know, so it, it would have been interesting to, to, to see it. I, again, I understand why it was cut out. It doesn't need to be here. But, you know, it's still it's still fun to read. And then we see that that he he's not in a bus, he's actually in like this large van that has sofas and tables and lamps, you know it's like packed with all these different things, and you know Neil is squeezed between two nuns, and then the van like jerks to a stop, and the driver calls out Neil's name, and then the the driver hands Neil his rental agreement envelope and a set of keys. And then says to him, Red Mustang, space E67. So, again, it doesn't matter that they changed the number or whatever. I, I find it interesting that, that they changed the car. Because, you know, if, yeah, he would have, yeah. if he would have been given a Red Mustang, that, that says something completely different than, you know, the Lincoln Town Car, as, as we, we talked about before. Right? Mm -hmm. And then Neil says to the driver, well, have a nice holiday. And the driver goes, are you kidding? You have a nice mm -hmm. holiday. While we're while you're stuffing your gullet with turkey, I'll be riding around in this goddamn living room on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> and then the driver goes, "The day's shot. This is my last run. I drop you off and go home to four walls and a fourteen-year-old Doberman pincher with a bladder infection." <laughs> <laughs> so then Neil gets out of the van, and the the van pulls away. Neil looks down at his envelope, and then. You know, they, they show that, that he sees the hundreds of cars all around him and he starts walking down and he sees the numbers on the pavement and he's watching them as, as we get to see. And he once again looks at the number and then looks at the envelope and looks at what he's seeing there. And, you know, he continues down. So, I mean, those are the basic discrepancies. Again, they made the right choices in this situation, in my opinion, where they cut all the, those parts out because everything in the yeah. script apparently was filmed. Wow. So, 
you know, the fact that they just take them away. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, they <laughs> yeah. The, I find it interesting actually that, that those bits that you read out, um, they both kind of show examples of of kind of showing that other people are having a hard time. It's kind of almost like, um. I kind of I think it's probably good to lose them also in terms of it's maybe lessening the kind of hard time he's having <laughs> right and uh, which which maybe kind of gives it less of an impact if if you start because then you kind of get the feeling that maybe he's just whinging when loads of these people are having tough Christmases he's not the only one thanks uh, you lose you lose sympathy for the character I think if you have too many of those right. of those Th- scenes thanks yeah exactly Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Holidays. Holiday turkeys just make me think Christmas. It's, it's it's so close. I always think of it as the same thing, but no, no, yeah, definitely different. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Not a problem. All right. So every Monday we do a little segment called Martin Monday, where my guests will give their top five performances of Steve Martin. So David, why don't you tell us your top five performances, starting from number five, working your way up to number one. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, this this is a tricky one. This because I I found there's a there's quite a few to choose from, but there's quite a few I've not seen for a while. But um, uh, I must admit I've gone purely with comic roles. Um, even though he's done some good dramatic work, and um, I've not seen enough of his straight up dramatic ones. But so anyway, from five, uh, I'm going to go with the classic, the man with two brains. I think it's one that might be higher if I'd have seen it recently. I've not seen it for a while, but it, I had to have it in there. I've still got memories of enjoying it a lot as a child so yeah the man with two okay, brains great choice uh number four is my favorite film of this top five but he's not got a main role so i kind of knocked it down a notch and that is little shop of horrors i love little shop of horrors um i adore that film it's one of my favorites um and steve martin is superb in it he's a scene stealing kind of turn uh, but I had to have it a little bit lower just because he's 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 not in it a great deal. He, he feels like he's in it more because he's he's very very memorable as right. as a kind of sadistic you'll be a dentist. sadistic dentist. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he yeah, this the song's incredible. He uh, he has a lot of fun with it. A real nasty nasty kind of character <laughs> who gets his comeuppance. Um, so yeah, that had to be in the list. Uh, and my third one is playing strains and automobiles. I, I think he, he's excellent in this film. Um, I think he's made sillier, funnier films. <laughs> we'll, we'll certainly get to one of those later. But um, but I think this has he shows a lot of range in this film. I think there's a lot of heart in the film, and as well as kind of comedy, and um, and he he gets that balance right. I, I I do think this is one of his best films. Uh, and then number two, I have got a uh, Bowfinger. That's uh, just kind of. I've not seen it for a little while, but it was—it was. I, I liked that a lot when it came out. It's one of those ones, and I picked it up on VHS or whatever afterwards. Oh no, DVD it will have been, I think. And um, and yeah, I've always enjoyed it. And uh, again, I think it shows a fair range for Steve Martin. It's, it is can it can get quite a silly film, but it's um. But again, it's got heart, and he's he's always good at that. I think he's good at playing the kind of everyman kind of uh, character, but but pulling off the gags and jokes as well he's not too too much of a total straight man yeah um and bowfinger i i just i love bowfinger i like films about filmmaking in general and it's uh it, that's that's it. one of the better comedies uh and then number one i think for me it had to be the iconic uh one of his early kind of his breakout fe- his feature film release the jerk um it's just so funny <laughs> it's just it's very 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 silly um 
but for me, when I think, I think of just kind of classic Steve Martin, and it just it always comes to me. It's, it's it's just a heck of a lot of fun. I haven't seen it for quite a while, to be honest, but I, but I'd seen it more than the Man of Two Brains, so I kind of nudged that one to the top. Um, the jerk to the top. Um, yeah. Okay. Great. I, I just so much fun. Excellent. Thank you for that. Oh, an honourable honourable mention. mentions would be. Honorable mentions would be Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, which is a lot of fun too. And um, I put The Spanish Prisoner because I can remember liking that film, but at the same time, I couldn't remember enough about Steve Martin's performance in it. But I can remember thinking the film was very good and I kind of <laughs> wanted to throw a, I, I kind of wanted to throw it in a film that wasn't a straight up comedy in there. Right. Okay. Understand. All right. Great. Thank you very much for that. So every day we do a segment called Off the Beaten Track where either my guest or myself give a short little story about something that happened to us, an adventure, a misadventure that happened along the way of life. So, David, you got a story for us? Uh, yeah, I'm just picking up, picking from a few of them. I was, I think because because there's an, a, a slight glimmer of hope in this episode, in, in this minute of the film, because it, it seems like Neil's on his way to get a car. I'm going to go with a bit more of a positive, just kind of a, a fond travel memory. Um, and this is uh, this is when uh, back in oh, I should have written the year down. I kind of want to say 2003. Um, I just I was I'd finished university, and uh, me and my brother. I've got my, my brother's quite a close age to me. He was only about 18 months between us. He's older, just a little older. Uh, but my brother, he had a girlfriend in Germany at the time, living in Germany, and he was going to go travel down there to see her and spend the summer there um, in the holidays. Uh, and I, but he asked me and if he wants to, if if I want to join him on the on the trip. And what we did, rather than just flying down to Germany um, or, or getting the train or whatever, um, we hired a car and we just did a European road trip. So we took a very long way of getting to Germany where. Uh, we spent, I think it was six days, and we tried to get to a different country each day. So we kind of, but we didn't travel too long each day. So we kind of bounced from border to border. So we 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 went uh, we went on the ferry. We we landed in France, but then drove straight up to. I'm trying to remember the route now, but I think we went to Belgium first. So we st- stayed in Brussels for a night, and we just stayed in campsites. Just kept it really simple. Uh, we stayed in Brussels, then we went to Luxembourg, then we went to. Oh, I'm trying to remember the route now. Uh, where did we go? No, that was later. I can't remember. We ended up in um, Austria. We ended up in Strasbourg in Germany. Oh, where else would we go? I think we went somewhere. Oh, in Innsbruck as well. No, no, sorry, that was in Austria. So we just bounced around from country to country, and it was just an absolutely amazing time. It was like uh, just meeting new random people at the campsites and just getting to experience, as you say, different countries each day. And uh, and it, it was just great. It just getting to know getting to quick dabbles in the culture of each of the places usually involved just going to the local pubs and meeting random people and my, my brother's quite a gregarious <laughs> my brother's a gregarious type and he'll always just kind of randomly start chatting to whoever's there i, I would just kind of stayed away usually but um but it was great you just yeah made some friends and uh had lots of good times and drinks and uh it was just a that's easily probably my most memorable and kind of favorite kind of period of traveling. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, and I, I flew home. I, I dropped off in Germany with his girlfriend and had lunch and then just waved by and got on a plane and flew off back home. Um, wow. But we had a, a fantastic kind of 
almost a week um, just driving around and experiencing Europe, which is amazing. Cool. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us, David. All right. Do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I run Blueprint Review, which is blueprintreview.co.uk. And, yeah, we cover mainly kind of boutique Blu-ray releases and things like that um, that come out in the UK. So lots of reviews of classic movies, world cinema, some indie titles, uh, things like that. So, yeah, check it out. All right. Excellent. And to find me, it's very simple. You just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. And you can find our website. Or you can just send me an email at moviorobminute at moviorob.net. Great. So, David, do you feel like coming back again tomorrow? Yeah, I think I will. <laughs> well, maybe we'll find out what where V4 and V5 are. Yes. How's that? <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Great. Well, until then, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs>